This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You know, I don't understand this podcasting thing. How come you boys can't have those keg parties and chase the girls like all the other nice boys do? Y'all are nerds. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and according to Joe's mom's crazy holiday calendar, it's Spunky Old Broads Day, which is the perfect holiday for Joe and OG and their guests. On today's show, we welcome the blogger behind Fly to FI and co-host of the FI show, Cody Berman. And from LenPenzo.com, it's Lynn manuel Miranda. <laughs> He's busy bathing in his extra money from Mary Poppins returns and taking Hamilton on the road. Nah, nah, nah. It's just our own Len Penzo. Boring. Today, they're talking about a popular financial piece that addresses being poor. What makes you poor or rich? Plus, on the Magnify Money Call, we'll talk to one listener who has a very, very serious question. Of course, we'll still have our Friday mid-show feature, but today, we're throwing out the fintech and instead talking about your taxes. Catherine Pomerantz runs The Bookkeeping Artist. And today, she'll help you get your books organized for this year's tax season. I'm sure all you spunky old broads will have fun with that. And now, the spunkiest of our gang of spunky old broads, it's Joe Salcii. Of course, on the day we have spunky old broad day. Who makes up these holidays, by the way? We've got three spunky old broads on the show with us today. Across the table is the spunkiest of the broads. It's Mr. OG. I'm having a day so far. So uh, You are having a day. Get ready. You and I have laptops by the same company. My work fine. Yours said not so much. It just chose not to show up to work today. It was on strike. (laughs) It it, it decided it was just going to shut down, right? Yeah. Yes. Just like, yeah, no, not no. No. That's what it just said. No. Not playing today. So happy uh, Spunky Old Broads Day, by the way. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Sounds totally made up, but all right. And the oldest of the Spunky Old Broads here, it's our special guest from the Phi podcast. He didn't think I was going that way. It's Cody Berman. <laughs> hey, thanks, Joe. Good to be here. I'm not the oldest one here. <laughs> just setting the record straight. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Hold on. We don't talk about ages here, man. You're right. Age is just a number, right? <laughs> it is totally just a number. And for those two guys, a really big number. <laughs> Easy. We're, we're right here. Hey, so we're so happy you're here. Tell everybody about the Fi Show. Congratulations on entering the podcasting community, by the way. Yeah, it's an absolute blast. I mean, we were just chatting earlier and just having people on and getting to talk to subject matter experts about things that I don't know, it's beneficial to me. And then we just put it out and I'm sure a lot of other people don't know the stuff that I don't know. So 
it helps everybody. It's just been an absolute blast so far. The cool thing, someday we'll be like you and we'll have a subject matter expert on this show. We keep <laughs> hoping someday we'll have a subject matter expert, but that's great. And everybody can find the show everywhere, right? You guys are wherever finer podcasts are distributed. Yeah, wherever they're at, you can come listen. Absolutely. Go listen to the Fi Show. Well, I'm happy you're here. And actually, the super spunkiest of the spunky old pods, it's Len Penzo. Has there ever been a Hallmark movie yet made about the holiday, the spunky old broad holiday? I, I don't there, I don't think I've seen that. There has to have been one. There, I, you think so? They've made a lot of Hallmark movies. I know that. If there hasn't been, we should create one because I'm that that sounds like a blockbuster title. Right hey, there. I think all the listeners out there should write Hallmark and ask for a spunky old broad movie. <laughs> I, like, I like the pause there movie. <laughs> or whatever. Yes. Yes. Hey, you know what is a super spunky place to go and learn about awesome stuff and also is a blockbuster, Len? No, Joe. Why don't you tell me? Skillshare. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Stacky Benjamins. I learned all about my DSLR camera, and now I'm learning about design on Skillshare. Let's talk about Cody's talking about subject matter experts. Listen to this: over twenty five thousand classes on Skillshare. You can take those for two months for free, unlimited access. If you go to Skillshare.com/sb, that's Skillshare.com/sb. Thanks to Skillshare. We're also brought to you by On Deck. Thanks to On Deck for supporting Stacking Benjamins. If you're a small business owner and need a capital, well, guess what? On Deck can help with over ten billion dollars in loans and an A-plus rating for the Better Business Bureau on Deck's lender you can trust. Find out more at ondeck.com slash SB. We got a great show. Cody Berman's here. That's enough to make it a great show, but we also got a great headline, so let's party. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Our headline today comes from the Escaping to Freedom blog. This is written by Ricard Torres. Why you will always be poor. I thought this was... A clickbaity title, so I clicked Clickbait. on it. Yes, and I got there. And he says even, quite a title, right? Well, statistically, most people will always be poor, although not in the way you might think. It's not just about the money you've got in the bank or your income. I'll get to that in a minute. First, let me ask you a question. He has, <laughs> he has two people here, yeah. Len. He's got two people. He's got Jenny. She's a high-flying executive making over $100,000 a year, drives a BMW X6, lives in a massive house in suburbia, six-room swimming pool, etc. In other words, she's the definition of success. He says at least society's definition. On the other hand, there's Patricia. She's the opposite to Jenny. She's a teacher who owns $40,000 a year, drives a reasonable and cheap Toyota Yaris, lives in a small rented flat in the city. The untrained eye, she's just an average person, nothing to call home about. Here's the important part. What if I told you Jenny was actually poorer than Patricia? Being rich or poor isn't all about how much money you've got in the bank. It's a state of mind and the decisions that come with it. Do you, Len, you agree with that? Yeah, I do agree with it. It's a state of mind. I think what he's trying to show here, Ricard is trying to show here, is that appearances can be deceiving. And you can have people look like they've got all the trappings of wealth, but they could be mortgaged to the hilt and in debt and miserable because they are constantly in search of money working to, to keep their head above water, whereas the people that are living modestly and are spending less than they are earning, it could be that they might not even have to be working at all. And clearly, I want to draw a line here. We're not talking about actual poverty here. I mean, we're not having a discussion about poverty because that, that's a whole different that's a whole different discussion. We're talking about the feeling of being rich. So before people start to email me about, you guys don't know crap about poverty, please don't, because poverty is a whole different thing. But this idea, Cody, of feeling rich, right, of being rich, of investing in assets, do you agree with what Ricard's saying? Yeah. I mean, man, I see this around me all the time. So I'm for people who don't know me, I'm not the oldest of the bunch, like we mentioned before. I'm kind of fresh <laughs> yeah, out of college. That's, that's the second time you've said that, Cody. Okay, yeah, we, no, get we, it, we get it. We get it. You're, you're <laughs> half of it. Joe and Len's age. Got he's, it. Understood. He's 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 the youngy. He's the youngest of the spunky old broads here. The youngest yeah. of the bunch. I'm seeing this a lot coming straight out of college, where people are getting these flashy jobs. They've never had this type of money before, and people are going out and just spending every single penny they're making. And some of them are even going into debt to get these fancy cars, to get the fancy house. And yeah, I think he's totally right. This article just, it's the typical millionaire next door where you have someone who's saving 
a huge portion of their income. Maybe they're driving an old Camry and they're living in a 1500 square foot house versus the person who's spending all their money, but they look like they're the man. Oh, gee, you, you must see this all the time with clients, right? The client who looks the richest. I remember when I was a financial planner, clients who look the richest <laughs> rarely were the wealthiest. I have a big problem with the six rooms being considered a massive home. I mean, <laughs> let's get real here. I mean, that's still pretty modest. I mean, and depending on what kind of swimming pool, it could easily be you know, a pretty crappy swimming pool. So Jenny could still be living a pretty modest life. I'm kidding. Of course. <laughs> of course. I, I, uh, Jenny's got some work to do to be Jenny's a baller. Got, if Jenny wants to be part of the cool kids club, <laughs> she has got to up her game. Yo, I'm saying, I mean, the X six is nice, but outside of a house that only has six rooms is, you know, I mean, well, you know, one well. thing OG that I saw in here, it said, you know, he assumed the massive house in suburbia was, you know, more expensive than the small rented flat in the city. It all depends on where right. you live, right? Yeah. There are small in- flats in New York City that would cost 10 times the amount of a nice mansion in, uh, you know, in middle America. I think that the biggest lesson in this and, and other things similar to this is at the very end where he talks about how poor people, air quotes, tend to buy things that are depreciating or tend to buy liabilities, things that cost payments versus wealthy people who tend to buy things that cash flow things, whether it's, he mentions uh, individual stocks that pay dividends or real estate or something like that. And that's really the biggest distinction as opposed to spending $40,000 on a third car. Why not spend $40,000 on a rental property that pays enough money that you can pay for your third car with the rental property, you know, yeah, type of with thing. the income that comes in from it or whatever. Yeah. 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 It is very difficult to stay away from the keeping up with the Joneses uh, trappings for sure. He references rich dad, poor dad here. Any of you guys read that book? Yeah. Yeah. Cody, what did you think? I love that book. Honestly, it's like one of the pillars of personal finance. Like, yeah. You I read think- that book, you read the millionaire next door and you're set. Yeah. Len, I actually think you'd really like this book. It is a quick read. It's a story. It's a, it's a lot of fun. OG, you read uh, Millionaire Next Door? Or not Millionaire Next Door, sorry. You read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? <laughs> Rich Dad, Poor Dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I've got it. Yep. Yeah. Like I read it 20 years ago probably. But Yeah. Yeah. But that's the whole idea of buying assets instead of buying liabilities. You know, use your money to buy things that are going to make more money as opposed to buying things that are going to cost you more money. I want to turn this on its head though. There was actually a reason I brought this up and it's because, because Cody's here with us from the Fi podcast, obviously the rise of Fi in our in our community and it's pretty exciting people chasing financial independence. But does that come with something else, which is kind of an oversexiness of living in a trailer on $2000 a year and and how Jenny is clearly richer here because she doesn't have crap. And the person who has stuff is wealthier. Like have we seen, it just seems to me sometimes like the pendulum swung the other way completely in the financial community. And now, you know, my clothes are too expensive because I got them at a thrift store instead of making them. Len, <laughs> what, <laughs> Len, what do you think? Oh man. All right. That was a little jab at the five community there, Joe. <laughs> well, 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 no, it's not, it isn't. And listen, I mean, I'm on board with the Phi mission, and I think it's important. I'm just saying that I see a lot of articles like this. I'm seeing a lot of pieces like this. And then I see a lot of people embracing the sexiness of, well, okay, you're buying your stuff at thrift stores, and then that's not sexy enough. There's the, You know what I mean? we, we got to go further and further. I mean, Len, are you seeing that or not? It does seem that way. You know, it, it's all relative, though. It's all relative to income. And, and this article keeps going back to spend less than you earn. And it's, there's degrees, right? So if you're making say a hundred grand a year, you can live pretty comfortably and not like a pauper and still do the saving and investing in assets that uh, Ricard is talking about here without, you know, looking, living like a pauper. Whereas if you're making less, say 40,000 or 30,000, you know, then maybe you have to cut back a little bit more but it's all it's all degrees, Joe. So, you know, my point is, yeah. you're right. I agree with you. Yes, you don't have to. Uh, it all depends. Well, I'd like to highlight just a little counterpoint there is I think a lot of people in the financial independent space are buying things based off of value. So it's like maybe you're a crazy car guy and you really want that Lamborghini. But like how much more joy is a Lambo bringing you than like a 2000 Camry? 
And I think it's just a lot of value propositions like that. It's not that people want to go make their own clothes or live in a shed or whatever, but <laughs> they just don't get that much more value out of like a house that's double the size or a car that's 10 times as nice. They value things like travel and family and relationships. Yeah, so but I guess that, that's my argument to this. No, but that still is a value proposition. I mean, if somebody loves cars, we've got the auto show going on right now in Detroit, right? If somebody's a huge car buff and wants a Lamborghini, I mean, how much more joy does that get? I don't know. It isn't me. I mean, clearly it's not you, but it might be to them. OG, oh, sometimes you feel like we're assigning this, uh, this uh, value proposition on other people. I don't know. I'd say that. A Lambo probably does provide ten times as much utility as a as a uh, two thousand one Camry. I mean, I'm just saying. That, How about a Yaris? Yeah, yeah, probably Yaris? at least probably twelve times as much as a Yaris, actually. <laughs> but no, it, it does boil down to your own personal utility, and it, it ultimately gets to the point of enough, you know, which is which is to say. I've made $600 in my lifetime for one calendar year once. I remember doing it. It was within the last 20 years. My wife remembers it also. She asked me kindly not to do that again. She's like, okay, cool. We've got the martyr thing shot down. We're good. Check that box. No more. There's a big investment year in my business, <laughs> needless to say. But then I've had the opposite extreme too. I've made lots of money in a year. And there always seems to be enough food on the table. But the differences between the the really lean years and the really fat years isn't the quality or quantity of the food. It's the extra stuff that happens around it. It's the, well, we were able to go on three vacations this year instead of zero or one. Or we send the kids to, you know, this summer camp instead of that summer camp. Or we were able to fly the parents down instead of having them, you know, drive down or whatever the case may be. And there has to be a point along the way where you go, kind of like what Len said, where after you get to a certain amount of income, you just have to be okay with that. There is no limit, by the way. That's the problem. Because they make $300,000 watches. They're really nice. If you haven't seen one, I mean, they're, they're pieces of art. It's unbelievable. It takes people like three years to make these things. They're unbelievable. But they make $300,000 watches because there's some dude out there with $22 million this year of income going, well, hell, I got two Ferraris and a big, you know, $10 million house. Now what? That's a great so you point. Gotta, you got to be okay eventually with going, I'm good. That's a great point. I remember actually Dave Ramsey talking about this one time. Don't compare where you are to where somebody else is. Like just because that guy can drive a Lamborghini, you know, maybe he has $22 million a year as income. So for him, driving a Lamborghini is like driving a Yaris. You know? Yeah. He, he, yeah. He, he yeah. Walks well, in. no, it really is. I mean, it's hard to really quantify and comprehend in that regard. But, but yeah, you, you know, you start dropping zeros off of paychecks, and I've never made sixty-eight million dollars in a year. But if you religiously make sixty-eight million dollars a year, I mean, yeah, you're gonna eat at Roost Chris every night because you don't care. It's like, okay, yeah. that's good. It's a thousand bucks for dinner. I don't even. It doesn't even. It's not a rounding error. But there is something to this idea of buying stuff. And how when you buy stuff, and somebody said this to me the other day, that when you buy stuff, originally you're really excited by the stuff, and then over time that stuff decreases in value in your head. In other words, you know, I have this, uh, I've got this coffee mug here that I got in Chicago. When I first got it, I remember I was pretty excited. I, I, as excited I, as one could be with a coffee mug. Yes. This is a really poor example, but okay. Uh, we're, we're, it, it says Chicago on it. It was amazing. Wow. I'm like, you know what? Amazing. I'm going to remember this trip to Chicago that we went on because I bought this mug, right? Three years later, I got no clue what the hell happened on this trip. I mean, I, I barely I have a Chicago mug. I don't even live there. I barely, <laughs> I, I barely remember the, anything about this mug, but things that you buy in general, depreciate in your mind in value. You follow me? I mean, not just the, the utility doesn't change. I mean, sometimes it does, but in general, you think less of it the longer you've had it. You're like, oh, I've had that thing forever. I don't like it as much. But experiences on the other side seem to appreciate in value where you go on a trip and while you're on it, you're like, yeah, this is pretty cool. And then the next year you're telling friends about it. It was pretty damned awesome. 10 years later, it was the most epic vacation you ever had that can never be replicated. And experiences seem to do the opposite. I just find that to be that to be interesting too. Less stuff, more experiences. Len, you feel the same? 
Yeah, isn't that amazing how that works? Yeah, you know what? Come to think of it, I I can remember every trip I've ever made from the time I was – I mean some really fun trips, just road trips across country with my buddies. I can remember all kinds of stuff, where the bars we went to and the the fun – I mean everything, and you're right. And that – you know, but I can't tell you what I bought, uh, you know, some of the trinkets and stuff I bought 20 years ago, 25 years ago. That's absolutely correct. I think experiences are are much more valuable. I remember trips like, that were crappy at the time, and now they're the most hilarious stories ever. Yeah, no, that's right. a, you can exactly. Yeah, I mean that's a great. I don't know who brought that up. That's that's brilliant. That yeah. is absolutely brilliant. I I thought it was. I wish it was me. But uh, Cody, what do you think? <laughs> Yeah. And something that I want to just tag on to this conversation, because it's helped me tremendously in just like reframing my whole financial mindset is trying to think of like money you're spending in units of time. And when you like think about how long you worked to get that money to get like whatever that car is like, does it really is it really worth two years of my working life to get this thing? Or is it really whatever it is, even if it's a cup of coffee, like, is it worth two hours of work to get this cup of coffee, even though that would be terrible earnings, $2.50 yeah. per hour, or whatever. Right. But you get the point. Like when you kind of reframe it like that, you're like, oh my God, like I'm wasting so much of the time that I worked to make this money to spend it on something that I'm going to forget 10 years down the road. Hey Cody, it's even worse if you're buying it on, if you're using debt to buy it, then you're saying, let's say, oh my God, it's, I have to work two years to pay for that down the yeah. road still. That's even worse. Debt to buy your $2.50 coffee, Lynn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're that debt to... <laughs> yeah, that's real so problem. Hey, have you been to Starbucks lately? Yeah, I could... <laughs> that's my Shoot, retirement man. plan is I'm buying everything on margin. Going to buy everything on margin. <laughs> Yeah. And, th- and then put all your investments in the ProShares 2X uh, S&P 500 bear. Or bull, depending on the minute. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just, just, on, just On margin. Just bet it all on margin, right? Twice. You only got to be right three times, and then you're good. Perfect. That, that's and crazy. Guatemala. <laughs> Big takeaway from this uh, story, Len? Um, appearances can be deceiving. Yeah. OG? Six rooms is not a big house. (laughs) (laughs) And Cody, you're the guest. You get the last word. Uh, Money is a tool. Money isn't something that you should want to just get a big pile of. You want money to work for you, not against you. In just a moment, we're going to have a special feature instead of our Friday FinTech segment. Catherine Pomerantz getting ready to come down to the basement and help you with your taxes. Taxes are especially important if you're a small business owner, because if you don't think about your taxes ahead of time, that can make your cash flow struggle. There's lots of things, as you know, that can make your cash flow struggle as a business owner. Thanks to On Deck for supporting Stacky Benjamins. If you're a small business owner, do you need capital to manage your cash flow to purchase inventory, upgrade your office space, maybe getting access to capital is incredibly challenging for small business owners and most traditional banks They lack the technology and resources to truly understand a small business. On Deck is 100% committed to small business owners with fast, easy, and tailored financing. In fact, what's cool is if you go to the On Deck website, you'll see not only how On Deck is 100% focused on small business and the timeline from when they were first created in 2007 to the type of people that they work with. If you click on the Why On Deck link and look at their customer success stories, You'll see stories like the story of uh, Donald Coolidge and his business partner who met while serving in the Marines and then talking about how they went to college for computer science, began building and marketing some small mobile applications before they founded a company called Majestic Apps. Donald's founded several companies and has used On Deck to help him along the way. So whether it's a term loan or a line of credit, their loan specialist can help you secure the funding you need. In fact, you can get a free consultation with one of their U.S.-based loan specialists to talk through exactly what you might need and won't need. You'll get a decision in minutes and funding in as fast as 24 hours, and they don't require any business collateral. Their application process is simple, and it's not going to impact your personal credit. So with over $10 billion in loans and an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, on deck is a lender you can trust. As I mentioned, If you're a Stacky Benjamins listener, On Deck is offering a free consultation with one of their U.S.-based loan specialists. For more information, head to ondeck.com slash SB 
that'll take you right where you need to go instead of just to the front page on deck.com slash SB for a free consultation. Well, Catherine Pomerant is a person who is an actor who also became an accountant. How about that? That's a life change, isn't it? And she's capitalized on her artistic background to create her company, The Bookkeeping Artist. And today she's going to help you and I turn this year's taxes into an art in prepping for this year's taxes. So let's say hello to my good friend, Catherine Pomerantz. And coming down the stairs, one of my favorite people, Catherine Pomerantz is here. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm excellent. Thanks for inviting me to your mom's house. Well, this is a busy time here for you, though. I was surprised you could make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. But I can always make friends, make time for my money friends, I should say. <laughs> I can't always make friends, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you can always make friends. You are very good yes. at making friends. I can vouch yes. for you there. But, but but yeah, thanks for making time for us. So you know this time of year because I'm sure that you get lots of clients that have shoeboxes full of stuff or the, the uh, I don't know, a virtual equivalent of that if you're working with people with electronic files. Tell me, Catherine, what we do to start pulling our stuff together so that this tax season goes more smoothly than the others. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely stressful. I mean, you could hear my brain leaking out through my ears and my earlier making friends comment, right? I mean, we all feel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I always like to say, well, and you know, okay, forgive me if I start to get more woo-woo than, you know, your typical accountant, but bookkeeping is much more about our habits and our mindset than it is about any particular app or system or hacking it together. So truly, I think the best part of tax prep is to have a good tax plan. So the first thing you should do is read, read about this year's tax changes, particularly, I mean, we just had a massive tax overhaul in the U.S., but every year tax limits change, you know, some credits will expire, different things will go out of style. I mean, who knows? And you may have jumped a tax bracket. And especially if it's the latter, especially if you're self-employed, you need to make sure you have enough saved for taxes now because even if you file an extension, you still owe that money on the due date or risk additional fees and interest. And that is the number one cause of stress for people coming to me who tell me, well, I haven't filed my taxes because I was afraid I was going to owe money. Oh, (laughs) Well, you're still going to owe that money. And now everything is much more worse and much more stressful. So very first thing is just plan for it. So that way we can remove some of the stress. You know, you might owe, let's just Get that out of the way. Just get it going right away. Get moving from that. So, Well, it sounds like by that you're saying, Catherine, you're not reading just to read. You're reading so that you're informed about exactly what you need to keep and what you don't need to keep and why it's important. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Everything about money, whether it's bookkeeping for business, for taxes, anything, you have to have a goal and a plan in mind because otherwise work is just work, right? If you don't know where you're going, All work is awful and terrifying and boring, especially with taxes, right? They're strict, complicated rules. So if you do not know what you need to prioritize, it is overwhelming and it just won't get done. And that's true with bookkeeping as it is with anything to do with money, budgeting, getting out of debt. I mean, it's all the same processes and habits, right? (laughs) Hate to break it to you. (laughs) But, but let, okay, so let's get to the geeky stuff though. Cause I used to tell people back in the day and it's been a long time since I was a financial planner, but you know, keep a basket next to the door when tax stuff comes in, just put it in the basket. So at the very least it's all together. Now we get a lot of this stuff via email. How do we make sure that when a client of yours comes to see you, that that client actually is prepared? Yeah, I do love me some apps. I will admit I really love apps like HubDoc or Receipt Bank. They're very comparable. That allows you to literally forward emailed receipts or take a picture and scan the receipt all to the same place. It collects it. It sorts it into files. It'll even pull the line items from you and push it to your accounting file if you're doing that level of business, you know. I mean, but if you're not actually running a business and you just need to keep stuff organized, 
I like Google Docs, honestly. Just take hmm. a picture, attach it in a Google Doc, file stuff that way. Same thing, take a screenshot of the email or attach the email attachment in Google Docs and file it electronically. It's actually in the tax code now. They, they're finally catching on. You do not need paperwork, actual physical paper. It can be electronic, and that is just as good. And hey, so much less cluttered. Love that so much faster. Is this going to be a tougher year for you or an easier year for you with all the tax changes? Ooh, huh. yes and no. I mean, easier all because all the above. Less, <laughs> yeah, all the above, right? Less individuals will need to itemize. That's definitely going to be the case. But I like businesses and we've been doing a lot more planning and work and running numbers to see, hey, does it still make sense that we are the same structure that we were based on these new rulings. I mean, the corporate tax rate came down, the pass-through rules are all wonky with the specified trade or business rules. So there's a lot more work involved in determining what is the best plan for me and how should I best get going for lack of getting more specific because, yeah. you know, that's a very personal question. So I can't yeah, but talk it about sounds, that here. No, but it sounds like it sounds like it's going to be a little bit more difficult this year, but the long range it should be easier. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's always the goal, right? It's always difficult in the short term, especially with new clients coming to me. You're coming to me because you got a mess and <laughs> we got to get it cleaned up. And that is going to be painful no matter which way you slice it, no matter what the plan is. But when you systemize and move forward, that's really what I love. I love cleaning up the mess to make it really, really easy with lots of good daily, weekly, monthly habits that keep the bookkeeping moving, keep it going, make tax time every time. So it's easy. I want to actually hits. It's, it's already done. You did the work. Well, it's funny, you know, you and I talking right at the head of tax time when everybody's thinking about this, but in July, people aren't thinking about this. What can mm -hmm. we do in July and August and September that makes this stuff easier? Yeah, I love, I do love to say tax season is every season. And I am a huge fan of checklists where yes, I use nice apps and apps are great, but I am a huge fan of daily, monthly, weekly checklists. So if, for example, you're a service provider, because invoicing is always going to be a big one, right? Every day, sit down, track your billable hours, send your invoices. Every week, pay your bills, follow up on invoices that aren't paid. Every month, then take that bank statement, compare it to your records, compare it to your budget, and see where you landed. See what's going on in that month. Make sure that month is clean, and then make the plan for next month. Make your numbers better. Keep moving forward. Bookkeeping is about tax prep, but it is just as so much about business planning and just like keeping your brain straight. Numbers are data, right? And there's nothing we can't do with good data. So tax seasons every season and little tiny daily habits like that make the entire process just painless. You work with a lot of creative people, and I'm sure most of those creative people, because the creative people, people I've known have thought this way, is that this, this stuff is so boring and it is so <laughs> not me and it's over my head. And yet you and I know that numbers tell a story. Is it just teaching people the language of numbers, love? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yes, I I always use an acronym when I'm first working with someone and it's, it's LET, L-E-T, let money work for you is how I teach people to remember it. I tell people that money is a language, it is energy, and it is a teammate. And understanding those three facets of money and how it communicates with you as it is a language and how cash flow works, where it's the energy and it's always moving and it's always got to be put to work and how it's a teammate, how it you have a relation, an emotional relationship with it and you should treat it with respect and it'll respect you back. Understanding those three facets. I know I'm so woo woo, right? Okay. But we work with yeah, but still, brain here. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's yeah. how you get people there because people don't hear people talk about money this way. And then they go, what the hell are you talking about? This is, yeah. this is my credit card debt we're talking about, Catherine. <laughs> yeah, but credit card debt is big and scary. And so if you understand the three facets of how money can play along with you and you let it do its job, it's going to be a much easier and it becomes a lot more fun. That's why I always say start with your tax plan because if you've got a goal and you know where you're going, then no longer feels like work. I, I'm just you know, crushing my goals. I, I'm measuring my goals. I'm working with my money to meet my goals and... That's what bookkeeping is a lot of fun. It's because you get to do that every day and you get to see your progress. So you're the I only, know I'm biased, but. Yeah, I was going to say, you're the only person I know who gets me fired up about bookkeeping. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else in that realm. It is, you're doing God's work. 
Thanks. <laughs> but Catherine, uh, uh, where do people find you if people need help? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. You can always reach me at bookkeepingartist.com. That's my website. I am on Facebook under the bookkeeping artist. And if you want to dive into a lot of this material, I actually have a summit that is live and it's free and it will be recorded and you can access it all the time to learn more about money. And that is moneymakingartists.com. If you're the creative brain and you're not on board with me and my woo woo, Go and watch some of those interviews. You'll see Joe. Go, I was going <laughs> to say, go there. Go watch other people's woo-woo. You can yeah. see my yeah. woo-woo. You and I talked on Monday and you can still see that. So, Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me, follow me, any of those places awesome. where I hang out. And if you're walking the dog or you're on your commute, we've got you covered. Head to our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com and we'll hook you up with all those links Catherine talked about. Catherine, thanks for hanging out with us a little bit today. Thank you. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And wow, these four spunky old broads, you know, Joe, OG, Len, and even Cody, we'll call him an honorary spunky old broad today, they actually brought it with that discussion, didn't they? I mean, well, let's see if they can bring it with today's trivia question. When you think of the originally spunky old broads, you naturally think of Joe's mom's favorite show, The Golden Girls. While that show brought home great ratings and created enough fans that the comedy series is still shown in syndication years after it's gone off air, here's the question. According to CelebrityNetWorth.com, stars B. Arthur, Rue McClanahan, Estelle Getty, and Betty White all made tons of money acting in the series. B. Arthur's net worth is listed at $8 million, Rue McClanahan at $5 million, Estelle Getty at $8 million. But here's the question. What's Betty White's net worth? I'll be back after these spunky old broads formulate their guesses. All right, we explain the rules to the shindig to Cody backstage. Very complicated rules, aren't they, Cody? Oh, real complicated. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle it, Joe. <laughs> this, is, this is a tough game. All right, uh, Ashley had to show up so that uh, OG could get on the board. So congratulations, OG. Thank you. Thank you got you, one. Yep. Yes, good work. And that means it's been the longest since Len has won. So Len's going to get to choose first. Do you go first in the middle or last? Oh, I'm going last this time. Huh, that's weird. Like he's played the game before. <laughs> Cody, where do you want to go, first or in the middle? I'm on the middle. Yes, which means, OG, <laughs> we're talking about Betty White's net worth. Is that a euphemism for anything? <laughs> if you know what I mean, right? Betty White's net worth. Um, okay, so she's like a thousand years old. She started saving a dollar back in six. So you've got you've got B. Arthur at eight million, Rue McClanahan at five, Estelle Getty at eight. The other three stars. Yeah, but Betty's been in show business longer than everybody else. So I'm going to well, say... Well, she's uh, done more. She's done more stuff. I think those other women have been in show business the same amount, but she certainly has been in more hit shows. All right. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, uh, $100 million. $100 million. Oh, wow. $100 million. $100 million. Okay, so I'm up. Yes, sir. Oh, man. That is a high guess. <laughs> All right. I'm going with $31 million. 31 million. Any uh, thought behind that one? Honestly, just random number <laughs> that came to my head. <laughs> but just bigger than, much bigger than B. Arthur, Rue McClanahan, or Estelle Getty. Oh, yeah. Betty yeah. White's way bigger than them. Yeah. Yep. Len, you've got the so, ball. So, okay. Well, I'm going to, I've always got the ball, Joe. You know that. But uh, I'm going to share a couple, a couple thoughts. Well, actually, I'm going to share a thought with you and a story. So, the, my first thought is, I'm shocked that Rue McClanahan and uh, B. Arthur's net worth is, is that low. I am I, too. I'm, that is not very, I mean, that's, I don't want to say impressed. It's just, it's shocking it's for some people in the entertainment industry. That's their net worth. Yeah. Um, B. Arthur. They bought a lot of sticks from homes. <laughs> so, so that's the first thing that, that, that kind of threw me. The second thing, I'm going to share a story with you. I, I have a, a buddy I work with. One of his good buddies was dating uh, recently was dating Jennifer Lopez, and he actually went on a trip with J Lo and his buddy. Actually, it's his buddy's brother. So he, he's friends with his buddies. He's friends with his buddy who was dating Jennifer Lopez. They went on a trip, 
a vacation somewhere down in Mexico. I love how specific the story is, by the way. No, no, this is no, no. I know you think this is this is. I swear, this is totally Uh, true. Yeah, I mean, he he was down uh, there for a week. He was down there for a week with J Lo and her boyfriend and his and his buddies and his buddy who was the brother of J who J Lo was dating. But they were playing one night. They were playing cards against humanity. They were just kind of talking back and forth. And he tells me, he goes, J-Lo just says, I need to make, I think he said $5 million more million, and her net worth would be a billion dollars. Wow. That, that's what she told, that's what she said. So, I mean, just to p- put that in perspective, and I believe that. I totally believe that J-Lo's net worth is probably pushing a billion dollars. Okay. Like a J-Sue guy like you. So, yeah. So anyway, so I think B. Arthur's net worth of eight million is ridiculously low. I do believe J-Lo's probably worth a billion or very close to it. I would say Betty White is worth somewhere. uh, Here's the thing. I think most. Well, it really comes down to I think it's more than 100 million. I'm going to say I'll give you some breathing room there. OG, I'm going to say $140 million. 140 million. By the way, according to celebritynetworth.com, which by the way, these are all, uh, you know, guesses. And by the way, the way we got to celebrity net worth was through time. So time was quoting them. And then, uh, we went to the site. So I'd never heard of celebrity net worth, but if time was quoting them, I thought, okay, We've had a reasonable source. They're showing Jennifer Lopez at four hundred million, but she's making forty million dollars a year currently. So well, but they weren't playing cards against humanity with her no. either <laughs> down in down in uh, Mexico. So yes, that's right. So <laughs> stuff it, celebritynetworth.com. <laughs> All right, so we've got uh, thirty-one million for Cody, hundred and forty million for Len, hundred million for OG. Let's see how that works. Well, I spoke before about how On Deck has helped me with my photos. And if you're somebody getting our newsletter, The Stacker, you haven't seen my photos yet, but man, they're already getting so much better than they used to be. And very soon, later on in our sequence of the next 52 weeks, you'll start uh, seeing some of my pictures there. I don't know, maybe we'll put some of them on Instagram as well as I continue to get better. Stacking Benjamins is brought to you by the place where I took that class, Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators. More than 25,000 classes in design, business, financial planning, by the way, lots of financial classes, financial planning, financial concepts. You'll discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, your creativity, your career, work on your money. Take classes in social media marketing, mobile photography, creative writing, even illustration. I'll tell you which one I'm on now that I finished my DSLR class. I'm now taking graphic design basics, core principles for visual design. Like when it comes to designing this show, I feel like I know what I'm doing, know what I'm doing when I write. But visual design, I know what I like, but I don't know how to put it together. And so I'm taking this uh, graphic design basics class. Get this. The class is taught by, among others, Ellen Lupton, who's the curator of contemporary design at Cooper Hewitt Smithsonian Design Museum in New York City. I'm actually taking a beginner class from someone who is one of the foremost experts in the field, and it's all because of Skillshare. So whether you're looking to discover a new passion, start a side hustle, or gain new professional skills, that's exactly what I'm doing, hoping to gain new professional skills. Skillshare is there to help you keep learning, thriving, and to reach those New Year's goals. Join millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with an offer just for our Stacker family. Get two months of Skillshare for free. Skillshare offers you a little bit of free if you go through the front door, but we've got the secret entrance just for Stacky Benjamin's listeners. Skillshare.com slash SB gets you there. Go to Skillshare.com slash SB to start your two months now. Skillshare.com slash SB. Hey there, all you spunky old broads. Ready for today's thrilling trivia answer? No, that makes two of us. No, seriously, I have not even looked it up yet. Okay, I'll just uh, log in over here. And oh yeah, hey, here was today's question. On the Golden Girls set, B. Arthur accumulated a net worth of $8 million, Rue McClanahan $5 million, 
Boy, she was pretty fiery, wasn't she? And Estelle Getty, $8 million. But how much is Betty White reportedly worth? Well, White, of course, has appeared in tons of different shows, and because of her long and amazing career, she has accumulated, according to CelebrityNetworth.com, $75 million. wonder if she spent any of that. Huh. How about that? And I thought they said she was loaded. That's nothing. That's nowhere near the amount of money we're going to get with this show gets up to four listeners. I'm going to be rolling in it. See ya. Uh, <laughs> I went the wrong direction. Suckers. Cody wins. <laughs> Chalk one up. <laughs> you know what? That's two times in a row now that the guest has <laughs> has pulled off the victory. I was just yeah, about to Paula say that. And I, that's a point for each of us, right? We're on the same team. <laughs> maybe we need a uh, maybe we need a staff upgrade. Maybe we need a staff meeting. <laughs> staff meeting here. Maybe. Very, very <laughs> close. I'm I'm still happy with that guess. Yeah, yeah, you were far. I mean, seventy-five to a hundred for a lady like Betty White—that's a rounding error. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, let me just say that. I mean, how accurate do we know that? I mean, they totally underestimated J Lo's net worth. So Allegedly. by half. There you got it from the guy whose brother's best friend's cousin played Cards Against <laughs> Humanity with her. Was at in some Mexico at the same my, time as J Lo. Oh, this is my coworker. He, my coworker, actually, he was with J Lo on this vacation. We, he was with her. We know your coworkers. He sat at a table with her, played cards against you. She made she made dinners for them. She made you know they went out and uh, she he hung he hung out with her for uh, a week. Cheryl and I hung out with Jennifer Love Hewitt last week. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm saying your coworkers making crap up, lad. No, he's not. I swear to. I, no, he's not. He's absolutely not. I got a. I got a. I got a photo of him together not well, with it just it was kind of he took the picture of with her actually the paparazzi took the picture and he pointed to him he was in the picture he pointed to himself yeah he didn't take the picture the paparazzi yes. took the picture and showed me the picture yes that's what uh, they do every time in the basement here as soon as we get done recording paparazzi right outside the basement window <laughs> <laughs> Hey, let's take out the magnifying glass and help somebody do better with their money. Today's hotline call comes to you courtesy of magnifymoney.com. When you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney, you know what? You find those financial products you use every day. They're nowhere near best in class. Over 92% of the products available online are all ranked at Magnify Money. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney for more. In fact, interest rates going up quickly on uh, savings accounts and money markets. Looking good if you're a saver. Let's say hello to Tyler. Tyler's got a question for us. Hey, Joe and OG. This is Tyler. I have a quick question for you. One is the Magic 8 Ball for 2019. Will the stock market see a correction of 5% or more this year? Thanks for everything. Look forward to hearing from the show. Obviously, Doug is the brains behind the operation. Don't let it go to his head. Bye. We 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 got a few th- we got a few things here. First, I'm not sure that we do magic eight ball requests. <laughs> if if you send us five bucks, Tyler, then maybe we'll talk. But but magic eight ball requests. This thing costs Len. What'd you say? Like twelve ninety five? Yeah, yeah. It was like twelve. 12- 12 bucks. So I have 14 yeah. bucks at Amazon. Yeah. So Tyler, two choices, send us five bucks or, uh, you know, go buy your own eight ball. What, what does he think? We're like, we're, we're like the magic eight ball, a podcast now. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. And, and OG, let's talk about this. The words, Tyler used the words 5% and correction together. Would you, you like, actually see me roll my eyes? Would you or, like to? Or did you see me sigh? from across the room. Would you like to talk about 5% and correction together? I love giving Tyler a little bit of the business. They don't belong in the same sentence. I mean, correction technically is defined as 10%, right? So I don't know what he's asking here. He's asking two questions in one. Is it going to go down by 10 or is it going to go down by five? Yes, it will. (laughs) The market, maybe in in that order, the market in an average year, I think it's something like every two years is a 10%, right? Uh, actually, in a year, OG, the average intra-year decline is fourteen and a half percent, and according to J.P. Morgan, a lot more so, bouncing so around. But Tyler, basically this normal. But Tyler, this one time, we will ask uh, 
the Magic 8-Ball. Well, we'll ask Len if it's okay if we ask the Magic 8-Ball. I don't own the Magic 8-Ball. So, Len, can you ask that question the Magic 8-Ball? Will the market go down 5% this year? Let's find out. Definitely not. Wow! I'm actually surprised it gave a negative answer. (laughs) (laughs) Len didn't think it could. He was... The answer is no. Wow. <laughs> I think we heard you the first it time. It was reiterating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, listen, dude. Yes, I am sure. Wow. <laughs> it's on fire. Happening. The answer is yes. <laughs> two no's and two yeses. <laughs> I think they. I think uh, we can see what's going on here. <laughs> hey, Tyler, it's going to do whatever the hell you want it to do. Apparently. <laughs> oh boy. But uh, the first answer was no, which means no, Tyler. It's not going to do negative five. It's going to do negative twenty. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Doesn't mean it won't do negative six. I don't know what that means. We actually uh, also, thanks, by the way, for that, Tyler. And you know what? We will send Tyler a uh, greatest money show on earth circus T-shirt. But we also get letters in the mailbag. And because we thought Tyler's was kind of funny, let's try to answer a serious question. Uh, This comes to us from David. David says, we have twin girls who just turned seven. There's about $3,000 in cash sitting in our safe at home from the seven years of Christmas birthday money they've received. For years, we've been meaning to open a savings account for them, but never got around to it. We bank online with Schwab, and they do not offer a savings account for kids. Question is, should we, one, open a kid's savings account at a normal bank? Number two, open a kid's savings at my credit union. Three, just keep the cash in the safe so they can have more of a physical value money. Or four, is there something better we can do with this money for them? Any bad advice would be appreciated. David, thanks for the question, David. Cody, you're the guest, man. What do you think? Ooh, I'm going to go for number four here. I think there's something better than all the things he said. And it's something that I heard. I don't even remember who I was talking to that did it. But if you can get your kids to do some kind of task for you and you pay them a quote unquote fair market rate, like you take a few pictures of them, pay them 500 bucks, that's earned income. And you can toss that in a Roth IRA for your kid, no matter what age they are. And I think that's just one of the most powerful tips I've ever heard. I nice. think David could definitely do that for his twin girls. Open up a Roth IRA for your kids. I, I like that. Len? Gosh, that's that's actually extremely clever. I don't know how I'm going to follow that one, Cody. <laughs> what I was going to say... And now this seems really stupid. You know, I don't know how much these kids are going to save. I I thought these kids were just going to save on their own, you know, save their allowance or whatever. And if that's the case, which maybe it's not, but if you're just going to let them say, hey, here's your allowance. And if you want to save some of that, I would say create the bank of dad and you keep the money for them. And you pay them interest and pay them some ridiculous interest amount, like 25% or 50%. And then that way they can see physically how their money grows over time, especially when they're young kids. And it kind of gives them into the habit of knowing that if they can save money, good things happen from that, come from that. So that's my two cents. I know that on I, like our, Cody, I like Cody's answer better. Well, I know that on our Friday FinTech segment, though, the FamZoo crew, Bill Dwight and his crew, they they uh, have it set up so that you can pay phantom interest and it will automatically track it for you. So FamZoo.com, it, it isn't free. There's a small fee to use it. Uh, StackyBenjamins.com forward slash FamZoo is our affiliate link if you want to help the show while you do it. But the, um, I like that as a way to do what Len's talking about. Cause if you, if you pay that ridiculous rate, you can explain to them later that that's not what banks pay, but you get used to saving instead of borrowing. And you see, as a kid, you see borrowing all around you, Len. Yeah. Back when we were kids, Joe, I know most people couldn't, won't picture this, but really until about 1980, buying things on credit was a real no, no. Most people didn't do that. They, they stayed away from it. People saved money to get what they wanted or at the worst they would put things on something called layaway remember that (laughs) where remember that yeah yeah if you didn't have the money you wouldn't use a credit card because credit was bad what you would do is you would take it to the store layaway counter they would hold it for you and you would make payments 
interest-free. There's no interest. And when you made your last payment, you would come and you would pick it up. So, I mean, things have changed over the years and in credit is now seen as maybe to, to a detriment. It's sometimes it's, it's too much credit, yeah. too much of it. So, and, and it just, the, the, the saving, the inst- installation of savings in us, in us has gone away. So it's just good to teach your kids that savings, there's something good about saving. Yeah. Uh, I love that. OG, what do you think? What should he do here? I like the Roth thing. The biggest problem with the Roth, just remember with that strategy is that uh, it's got to be reasonable compensation. So, you know, 500 bucks for the year, whatever, no big deal. Don't be paying your kid $6,000 to, uh, to mow the grass because, you know, the max is 6,000 for the year or something like that. You might find yourself in some hot water there. So I love the Roth thing because obviously, you know, you compound a thousand bucks in a Roth IRA for the next, I don't know, 57 years for this kid. And it's going to turn into a crap load of money. Like paying the kid interest. We use in our house kind of a third, a third, a third rule. And I round generously on my thirds. My kids get a third of the money that they earn through earnings or Christmas or birthdays or whatever they get to spend on whatever they want to spend it on. A third of it they have to put in their bank account and a third of it they have to invest. And we use Stockpile, which is a company that I really like. It's not exceptionally inexpensive. It's 99 cents a trade, so it can get kind of pricey if you buy a whole bunch of stuff. But Stockpile is specifically designed for kids, I think, because it shows them the brands that they're buying. So instead of saying, hey, let's go buy Microsoft, my kids see Xbox. Instead of buying Kellogg's, they see Pop-Tarts, you know, and so on and so forth. So they're, 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 they get to kind of thumb through the brands that they do business with now, Apple and Xbox and Pop-Tarts, and they can say, oh, well, I want to own part of that company. You can buy fractional shares. They get the dividends on a dividend reinvest program. And then I make sure to highlight the fact that their savings account and their investment accounts are approximately the same and balanced now but their savings account pays them 2 cents per quarter of interest yet they earn you know whatever it is $3 a quarter of dividends from their stock even if the stock is going up or down yeah. you know i highlight the dividends that they're earning that get reinvested so so i think it's probably the right answer to maybe do a little bit of everything og's oh, uh, parenting style there you notice that sugar and video games what could go wrong <laughs> there it is we give them some pop tarts, set them in front of the Xbox. Bam! <laughs> They're on Twitch. You know, if you want to follow them on Twitch for their Fortnite skills. Oh, I thought Twitch is what they do after all those pop tarts. That too. That's a, oh, yeah, gotcha. It's a verb and a noun. <laughs> it's, it's all of the above. Thanks for the letter, David. If you have a letter for us, or you'd like to uh, call into the Magnify Money Line, stackybedjamins.com. Click on the link that says "Questions for the Show" and. We'll have all the ways there that you can interface with us. But Tyler, because he called, if you call, you get the greatest money show on earth t-shirt. So just bribing them with t-shirts, Len. That's what you do. Gosh, I wish I had a t-shirt like that. Oh, man. There it is. (laughs) Richie, send Len a (laughs) t-shirt. That's Len's pay for the whole year right there. Gets a t-shirt. I'm a large, Richie. Let's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let's talk about what's going on where you guys live. Uh, Len, what's happening at LenPenzo.com? Hey, just in time for taxes. There's seven tips that everybody needs to follow oh. if they want to avoid getting audited. I love this time of year. I said very tongue-in-cheek. Uh, yuck. <laughs> that's great. And that's at LenPenzo.com. Cody, thanks for hanging out. I had a great time. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy you were here to save the show. It was awesome. And Paula's going to high five you too because you you uh, put her back in the lead when it comes yeah. to the trivia contest. What's coming up soon on the uh, Fi Show? Yeah. So on the Fi Show, we have a bunch of awesome guests coming up, just keeping the show rolling, keep talking about financial independence. And something that's interesting, I actually wanted to highlight, just want to share with you guys. You caught me on a pretty special day in my life is I put in my two-week notice to my corporate job today, and I'm going full-blown rogue entrepreneur. Fantastic. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Cody is going to live in a tent. He could be as miserable as the rest of us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you see how happy we are here in my mom's basement? <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is you awesome. You guys can come in my shed. I'll make your clothes. <laughs> exactly. That is perfect. And he'll make fun of us if we bring in clothes from... Uh, no, I'm kidding. 
That's awesome. And everybody go listen to the Fi show. You'll find it uh, where you're listening to the show right here. OG, what do you got coming up next? Oh, my goodness. We just got back from a uh, wonderful trip that uh, maybe we can talk about another time, but uh, down to the islands, man. So we did that. Uh, going to California this week. We've got our big West Coast trip coming in a couple of weeks, so that's fun. We do. It just uh, seems like American takes all of my money right now. <laughs> American Airlines. American Airlines it is. You yeah. are BFFs. Yeah. We, well, there's. it's a one-way street right now. I don't get a lot of love from them. but I think American Airlines, it's always a one-way street. They like it that way. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for today. Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what did we learn today? First, take some advice from our discussion. Want to be wealthy? Spend more time accumulating assets instead of stuff that's going to be like a noose around your neck. You don't need all that stuff. You'll probably be happier and you'll only spend money when it's actually meaningful. Second, worried about all the changes in this year's tax code? Take some advice from Catherine Pomerantz and start early. You won't regret it. But the big lesson... Don't tease Len Penzo on Spunky Old Broads Day. As the oldest of the Spunky Old Broads, he can get surly. Go ahead, Len. Take your new and improved Magic 8-Ball and go home. See if I care, dude. Man, he's cranky. Special thanks to Cody Berman for joining us. You'll find his podcast, The FI Guys, wherever you're listening to this show. Thanks also to Catherine Pomerantz for joining us. Need a good bookkeeper in your corner? You'll find Catherine at bookkeepingartist.com. Len Penzo appears courtesy of lenpenzo.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here. Trust me, this well-oiled machine didn't get like this all by itself. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. And thanks to all of you spunky old broads for listening. We'll see you next week back here with another show Monday where we'll feature more amazing guests and, of course, the world's best trivia. Why else are you listening? See ya! We don't have Paula here today for the after show, so I thought we'd do this, guys. I thought we'd talk about, uh, you know, you can't talk about with Paula what movies you're watching because Paula doesn't watch any movies. So I always want to bring up that topic. So OG and I talk about that Monday and Wednesdays. But let's see. uh, Len, you and the honeybee watching anything good? Gosh, you know what? I'm terrible with that. I've seen some good movies. I just, I'm terrible with the titles because they're kind of obscure. Uh uh, the fall I'm of I'm sure it was called the fall of Western civilization <laughs> or how to build a bomb shelter more quickly a documentary no, one, uh, one of these was with C Thomas Howell and he was a uh, hold on hey honey what was the name of that movie we saw with uh, C Thomas Howell no oh, she doesn't remember either See, that's what there happens it when is. you get old <laughs> But it was a Western movie. It was really good. It was a Western about these warring uh, railroad 
guys and 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 then this these other town people and there was like a, a little war between the two of them. it was really good i really enjoyed it it was a, it was a, a couple days ago we saw it i just can't remember the dang uh the dang title sorry joe was it called a gunfighter's pledge no okay that's that's the first one that came up uh was it called changing saddles no but blazing saddles is great i got a how about dead Blaz- man standing yeah i think that's it dead man standing that's, i think that's what it was Yep, Dead Man Standing. That's there what it was. It is. Dead Man Standing. And I highly that was a really good movie. Really good. That's awesome. Uh Cody, you seen anything good lately? Yeah, I just saw that new Venom movie. I don't know if you're into superheroes or not, but it was actually pretty damn good. Like it, it reminded me a lot of Deadpool, where he's kind of not good, not bad. He just does whatever the hell he wants. I'm with you. We saw that too. I saw that about a week ago. That was a good one, Cody. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. That's one that I missed also. Out of all the with all the superhero movies, I gotta say I love Tom Hardy. Yeah, Tom Hardy's awesome. He's such yeah, a great it. actor. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, I just pulled that up by the way. Michelle Williams is in it also. Yep. She plays Anne Weying. And doesn't that sketch you? Tom Hardy's like British, right? Yes. Does that ever amaze you? These guys that do the American accents, and then you, and then you see them at the Oscars or wherever you see, you know, so you see them on an interview show, and they got their they're thick. speaking their normal tongue, like a very and it's like thick it's accent. Like, what the hey? You know, it's, yeah. like, it's just the the wildest thing. Yeah, that's wild. Anything else you guys see that you want to point out that was good stuff? Not anything recent. No, nothing's coming to my mind. Any good TV? <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. This is the best. Af- this is the best this after the show ever, OG. Greatest after show. <laughs> Fantastic. <all> <laughs> Glad you guys are here. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you, and as a Marine. You can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD, employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.